Welcome back to the Weekly Pass. I'm Bonnie Jo Laughlin, joined by my co-host, Adam Copeland. Excited to have one of my dear friends, Meta World Peace. Meta, it's so good to have you on. I mean, everything from being Defensive Player of the Year in 2004, NBA All-Star, All-NBA Honors, and we can't forget the 2010 LA Lakers NBA Championship where we both won that. I'm happy to have you on my show. How are you? Absolutely. It's so good to speak to you, and I know you've been uh, involved in sports for a long time. You have a really a really great passion for, for sports, and um, you know, it's really good to be on your show. Well, Meta, you know, I want to start right out the gate of just talking about the change of the NBA and how, you know, you being such that defensive force, like, how do you think you would have been able to play in this era of ball or what you might have had to change? I mean, it would have been fairly easy to play in this era. It was easy to play in my era, too, and mainly because I can shoot, I can post, I can pass. Uh, my jumper was developing, so and I can also play off the ball. I didn't really need to have the ball, you know, so, and I could, you know, make shots. So it was, it would have been, it would have been um, fun. It would have been fun. Well, you talk about like the flagrant foul. There's really, you know, that wasn't really an issue like when you played or if you even go back to Lambeer or Oakley days. I mean, when you watch these games, I mean, do you think like, God, when that guy's driving the lane, I'd put him on his ass and, you know, you can't really do that anymore. Yeah, you know, um, I, you know, you don't want anybody getting hurt. So I kind of like the free play. Uh, the way they have the rules is really good because basketball is a game of focus, teamwork, and sometimes you want to eliminate the extra emotion. So I really like the way they uh, control the game because the game is meant to be fun. You said a good word there, Meta. You used the word emotion. And I think anybody who watched your career would feel that you played with emotion. I think we like that in certain players. We see it in Draymond mm-hmm. Green. You see LeBron show emotion on the court. Was that a hard thing for you to harness, or do you think some guys just show it more than others? I mean, well, as humans, everybody deal with their emotions differently, and everybody got different thresholds for their emotions. So some people can't get too excited because it takes them over the top, and they can't control their emotions. So... A basketball player is only a human, so some people could control their emotions. Draymond has really good control of his emotions. It might not seem like that, but you've never seen Draymond get suspended for multiple games, or you've never seen him put his team in jeopardy or be detrimental to the team. So his emotion is really controllable, whereas you know my emotion wasn't as controllable. So uh, it's, th- it's tough to be learned, you know, when you study the different you know human athletes or human professional athletes, or how they deal with the emotions in the game. Now, now, when you were showing that emotion, when you were on the floor and, and maybe there was a bad call, or maybe it was even a call you were fired up about, like you knew you were going to stop a guy and you did, you came out and you executed the game plan, were you cognizant or were you aware while, while you were on the court that you were having these emotions, or, or were you just reacting based on how it was you felt? Um, I was reacting based on how I felt, you know, at the time. Uh, so it would, all, it would often get the best, and that's why I really like guys like Kawhi, who's a you know really physical player, mm-hmm. and not, not a soft player by any uh, in the sense of the word, but he's in extreme control, you know. And guys like him and Draymond and, and, and LeBron too. LeBron is just you know in, in extreme control because he's always getting hit. He should have. It's plenty of times LeBron should have you know popped somebody in the mouth. You know, but he, he has he has a lot of control. Now, Beta, I want to talk about these super teams, you know, between the Kawhi and PG and KD and Kyrie. I mean, do you support these guys forcing trades and just basically, you know, essentially, they just want to end up playing with their friends? 
Well, essentially, you can't really beat you. You can't play uh, on a team full of C-level players. The NBA is made up of A, B, and C-level players, and 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 there's more A-level players in the world than there are in the NBA. I think a lot of the players are overseas. A lot of the players are just working at UPS or somewhere, right? So, with that being said, if you get a team, if you get lucky, like a team such as Golden State, and they get all these guys years ago who nobody thought they would ever win a championship. But these guys are A-level players, and you can't compete with that. You gotta get a super. You gotta have super teams, because technology, with the way they track data and the way they're able to track who who's efficient in different areas, with the way the technology is, with the physical uh, training, you have to have super teams. It's impossible to compete without a super team. I think the reason the Warriors maybe are looked at as, as differently is because it seems like, or and it feels like, with super teams over the last 15, 20 years, you go to the, the Detroit Pistons, then the Boston Celtics, then maybe even the Lakers team you were on. Uh, those teams were all built, it seemed like, in free agency or through the trade, whereas the Warriors went and did it through the draft. Obviously, it's it's easier. Right, right, right. It's easier to do it. It seems like via trade or free agency. But through the draft, it's tough to get a good a good read on a guy like a Clay Thompson. How do you know he's going to be the the two way player that he is? You know, well, you never know. You get lucky. You know, it's like the lotto, and that's why it's called the draft because that was the ultimate luck. You got a bunch of players who knew how to play the game because basketball is a game of intelligence, and you get a bunch of guys who are intelligent. So you know, it's hard to play with people who who's not intelligent. You know, these guys are high-powered thinkers. And with us, with the Lakers in 2010, that was a monster super team. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had Melo Peace, you know, and Kobe, who clearly the best defensive players on the wing, and nobody could stop us in the post at our position. Mm-hmm. Then you had Powell and Bynum, Lamar, Fisher. I mean, good Lord, you know. that was a, that was was And that was a really intelligent, tall, strong team. You know, so... I can't, I can't complain about a super team because we had an ultimate super team. Well, you're right. And you, you look at that team that you just mentioned and rattling off those players on paper, just looking at it outside of you and Kobe, and you're right, maybe Lamar. I don't know that anybody would have said, well, that's a superstar powerhouse built team, but you guys were smart, you were long, you were lean and rangy. And I was going to ask about that as far as defensive intelligence goes. Is that something that guys inherently have or is that something that you can teach? Uh, it's hard to say. It's something that It's something that the first day of training camp, you'll find out who wants to play defense. You know, um, it just, it's, just, it's all about timing. Maybe somebody's working on their game, and it's just bad timing for you because you're supposed to be a good defender, but this guy is just cooking you. All girl is cooking you, you know. So it's just, it's just hard to say. Uh, defense is all about just effort. Obviously, the offense is going to always win the game. Now, Meta, we had NBA opening night yesterday, Lakers-Clippers. I mean, you played as a Laker, and, you know, we both know that the Clippers are always going to be like that redheaded stepchild, but maybe they are the team to beat this year. Are they an equal status in L.A., or do you still think predominantly it's always going to be a Lakers town? This, I mean, it's a data-driven world. So uh, if you see what Balma is doing, he's grabbing market share through uh, online and offline. So his marketing, uh, the, um, the marketing that he's bringing to the city is different than the old school thinking of uh, Mr. Sterling. Sterling was more just make a little money, make a lot of money, <laughs> and just whatever. And uh, Bomber's actually trying to grab the market share from L.A. aggressively. So I think uh, in this world of technology, you see all these tech guys and tech women 
well, mostly tech guys. There's not a lot of tech women actually getting involved heavily. But, you know, they're, they're making a lot of pushes to push forward the game. And in Bomber's case, he's not only pushing forward the game, he's building courts. He's going after Kawhi. He's spending $2 billion in L.A., content in city. You know, people say he overspent, but he'll make it back. You know, so I think the Lakers got – they're going to have to, you know, continue to grab – they're going to have to reposition themselves, you know, to grab more more of the market share because Bomber's aggressively, you know, attacking the city of Los Angeles. But come on, Matty, you know that's Lakers town. All the championships, the, I mean, the purple and gold, we saying, know that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a Lakers town. I'm just saying, I'm just talking strategically, you know, because I'm a Lakers people. I, this is a Lakers town. This, the history shows what it is. But if you keep bringing people in like Kawhi, yeah. it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. And if now the, the thing is with Kawhi, he is a, he's a team player. So you're able to stack a team with Kawhi in the in years to come because he learned from Tim Duncan, right? So Tim Duncan was the man. As Tim Duncan got older, he relieved himself of his responsibility, and then he got in people who was a little bit better or equal to him and shared, you know, the limelight, right? So this is the, this is the guy you have in the Clipper town. It's a lot of problems here. This is not, you know, and I'm a Laker guy, but I see what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's a major problem. It's it's an interesting twist on how to look at, at where a fan base is with two teams in one city. Because you're right, it's the market share thing. It's the way you go about advertising your organization. Uh, just while we're on the Laker tip real quick, I want to ask you about Kyle Kuzma. He was maybe the focal point of a lot of conversations around uh, Anthony Davis before they land Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram this offseason. Is Kyle Kuzma a budding superstar? Is that what we're going to see out of this guy? Kyle Kuzma is going to be a star. Yeah, now I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-star. The reason is because one is so much competition, and then two, he he's about twenty-three years old, and he has a he has a, a window of about six years, maybe seven years, to really show, you know, his superstar capabilities. So he has a window to be an all-star superstar. Yeah, right. There's a lot of there's a lot of superstars. There's only twenty-four all-stars every year. So he has a chance. The way he plays, it's very possible because he's always going to be a threat and a scorer no matter who's on the floor. And if he continues to win games, then, you know, first-place teams, they always send three to the All-Star game, mm-hmm. sometimes four. So I think I think Kyle Kuzma has a legit shot to be an All-Star, and he's definitely going to be a superstar. You know, playing alongside LeBron James, I just always wonder about guys playing alongside LeBron. Is he a guy who makes his teammates better on a regular basis? I mean, obviously he makes the team better, but will the growth of Kyle Kuzma and some of the young guys be affected by LeBron's place on this roster, you think? I mean, LeBron is just the ultimate. LeBron's been a team player since he was 17 years old. LeBron came into the league on a mission, and people didn't understand. LeBron said, okay, I'm going to win, and how I'm going to win? I'm not going to try to do it myself. I'm going to play team ball. But people took that for LeBron being scared. And I took it as LeBron wanting to win and doing whatever it's going to take, you know, for him to win. And, um, you know, so with that being said, I mean, you know, he, I mean, he, he's just the most amazing. He, he's one of the most amazing guys that I've ever seen, you know, that's come to sports. 
Now, Maddie, you spent a lot of time in China uh, playing over there, and you've got the the brand, the panda over there. And um, I want to ask you real quick, I'm as, as much as you will you know, say, what do you think about the controversy right now at the NBA and the China's uh, strain relationship? I mean, LeBron's been vocal about it, and so has now Shaquille. Well, you know, honestly, I have not really had the time to really focus on it. I've been so busy, and I'm a, I've always been a vocal guy. And when I was being vocal early, way back when, to protect, you know, my, like my community, people always looked at it as crazy, and I was doing things in mental health. And I wasn't getting a lot of support from the community in terms of programming that I thought should be on tele- television, in terms of programming that should be offline. So I got kind of burnt out from anything that was conscious and or social, having a social impact with the exception of mental health issues that people have. So anything outside of that, I'm not too interested in. I'm one of those, I'm one of those people in, in America that's like, you know, tuned out. Right. Um, but what I can say is freedom of speech is important. And, uh, you know, the way other people run their countries really has nothing to do with me because I'm not an, an official, <laughs> you know, like if I was an official, I have something to I have something to say, but you know, so I'll just continue to do my work in mental health, uh, social impact, uh, and my initiative of uh, teaching little kids uh, the importance of becoming a good parent and a good partner to your significant other. That's my mission. You know, uh, the other stuff not really, but I mean, in terms of um, the business side, I think America put Americans in a bad situation because. The foreigners are coming up and buying a lot of the land, and America is continuing to let this happen. And in a couple of years, there's not going to be no real estate for the American youth, and we're and we're making a bad decision in America right now. There's a couple of things I agree on some officials with, and America need to get it together because we're putting ourselves in a really bad situation by not empowering the Americans. Now, Matt, I do want to talk about mental health because you've been so good about bringing that to the forefront. Um, you know, there's so much pressure for, you know, these young athletes that come in and get all the money thrown at them. And, you know, you've been great about addressing this. I mean, do you think that the media image and perception has gotten better now that someone like yourself and even Charles Haley and different athletes have spoken about this publicly? I think it's very important. I, I mean, back in the days you had those seven networks and that was it. And now you have Netflix and Hulu and Pluto and I don't even know the other channels. Massage TV. I don't even so many networks, <laughs> you know. And uh, is it even playing field? It's, you know, you can even have mental health. It's probably a mental health network out there, and it's so important because back in the days, if I was to come out and say, "Hey, I need a psychiatrist," with psychologist, I'm going crazy in my mind. People would have been like, "This guy is crazy. He's fearing then and that, then and that mental health piece is crazy," you know. And nobody want to be on television. People want to be. People want to be vulnerable. Actually, people are vulnerable, and they want to be able to express it and be able to reach out to someone that they don't even know, you know, because ultimately when you act out or you show emotion, you're, you're asking for help. You're calling with Batman signal, I need help. And that's, that, that should be, you should be commended for seeking help to improve yourself. You improving yourself is ultimately going to improve that child you bring into the world, right? That child is going to be a little bit more stable, a little bit more confident and secure. Whereas if you're, if you're not, 
that child grow up in a dysfunctional household, broken, broken household. Right. So I love where we're going. I'm trying to hopefully one day get my programming on television that I feel is necessary for, uh, you know, mental health uh, issues. You know, uh, but I do see a lot of great things happening now. It's a it's a good conversation that we have to continue to have um, about mental health. And, and you mentioned something there that I think is interesting to hear from your perspective, because you said people used to see you doing stuff and they'd say, man, Meta is crazy or Iran is crazy. Whatever they're saying about you, we're still seeing this today. We see it with the Kevin Durant burner accounts. We're seeing it with the uh, the Antonio Brown stuff in the NFL. Everybody wants to psychoanalyze because of what they believe a guy's feeling. And now there's this new movie out there. I don't know if you've seen it, Joker. The uh, You mentioned the Batman signal thing just kind of made me think of it, about how we view somebody with mental illness and, and becoming aware of that. Have you seen that movie? I saw the movie The Joker. I thought it was well done. I mean, I mean, I, I and you always do something was wrong with The Joker. And I thought back in the days, um, actually, The Joker was one of those situations where we didn't think he was crazy. We just thought he was him. But right. But you don't. You're not born like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 to see the backstory of that, I thought they. I thought that was well done. I thought it was a very responsible uh, production and, and direction. I, I don't know. I was so proud of that movie. I was. They could have went so many different directions if they wanted to. Because I would have watched the Joker anyway. You know, I was so proud of that movie. But is, is that is part of that programming the sort of stuff you want to see more of on television? When you're talking about your programming and your message, is that the type of stuff you want to see? Well, for me personally, because yeah, it's from my point of view. Now, if you're from a point of view of maybe you grew up rich and families together and strong, or maybe you grew up poor and your families together and strong, everybody's so different, right? And it's a group of people for everyone. Like It's a group of people that kind of felt like me. It's a group of people... That might maybe felt like you know the Huxtables was a group of people that felt like um, uh, you know Clampets. It could have been anybody, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Bundies, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right, and it's always a group. And so programming, you know, for uh, for groups of people, I think I think it's important. But sometimes, you know, the program I want it, it, it's really hard to to execute on. But hopefully now I'm really I've been really aggressive and standing my ground on saying no to different programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, it, there is a demand. There's always people asking me to do stuff. But I'm like, no, 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 because I want to do something different and more impactful. Now, Matt, before we let you go, besides being such a great spokesperson for mental health, you've also been um, great as being a successful businessman, and you've got your hands in so many different things. Tell us about this new app. I know you've been working on this for a while, the X versus X App. Tell us about this, where we can find it, how we can get un- into it, and, and kind of explain everything uh, that's going on with this. Absolutely. Well, our test management group is my, my parent company, and we just accelerate companies. X vs. X Sports is one of the companies that we're accelerating. Uh, we have interest from lots of – there's a lot of investors that invested already. Uh, but right now, my, I wanted to solve a problem of getting uh, more, people more access to basketball games in general. So one of the problems we felt we wanted to solve was using the under, underutilized courts in America is about 23 million basketball players and thousands and thousands of underutilized courts. So people are always trying to find games according to their skill level. Mm-hmm. So we give, we give a chance for people all the way at the professional level to the beginner level or amateur level to play basketball, and you also get a chance to work up the ranks and play with people like, you know, retired players like Metal World Peace 
who still got a little bit of skills. Um, uh, and then even last game, we played with uh, Ryan Hollins played, Lou Adamson played. And then you get uh, influences, influences that played in our showcase games, like Marcus Trill, got 5 million followers. And, and these type of games help kids that's trying to make it that don't have the exposure get exposure. So yeah. we have the recreational open runs, and then you get a chance to actually make uh, our once-a-month you know, showcase games, and we just keep it circulating. It's really amazing how I'm able to stay in the business of basketball because often you have to do something else, and I'm just like, wow, I'm so blessed to be able to be in the basketball business. So, so you're telling me, man, I download this app, I could sign up, and I could go out there and try to shoot, a, try to go down for a layup, and then I could tell my friends, man, Meta World Peace swatted my ass, man. <laughs> I was about to go up, and he swatted it out, man. Well, you could, you could, you could get lucky and maybe get on the floor with me. And, <laughs> you know, but, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll find you a hoop and a ball. All right, good stuff, man. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Last thing, Meta, um, the Quiet Storm, the Ron Artest story. Um, can people still be able to watch that? Because, I, I mean, I saw it, and I know Showtime did it. Is there still places where people can see that? Yeah, the Ron Artest story is on Hulu. Oh, perfect. Go, go to Hulu, and uh, show, you know, Showtime's uh, sold it to Hulu for about five years, so that's pretty cool. And, yeah, you check it out. It's, it's, really, it's, really, it's really a touching story, and... We have more uh, programming that we are working on right now uh, with, with addiction, financial addiction, sexual addiction. We're working on some programming uh, just to kind of show uh, just the problems that athletes have with, you know, with addiction and kind of bring light to it and uh, some exposure. So, yeah, the Ron Artest story was the first one, and we're going to keep launching them, hopefully. Stuff. Well, good, man. I'm so proud of you, everything you're doing, and I know you're busy, so thank you for taking the time, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Absolutely. Great speaking to you. Meta World Peace. When I think of Meta, I think of the mouse of the palace and like that suspension. And, you know, he lost $5 million. Like, would they have done that now to, let's say, like a LeBron or a Kawhi? Or, I mean, he was a huge name then, but I don't, I think the how everything has changed. I don't know if they would have done that to him and Steven Jackson, right? The question is whether or not he's on the same status as, as where LeBron and Kawhi no, are. No, no. I, I, don't, I don't believe at the time he was. I don't think he ever yeah. reached that point. And that's kind of, no. I'm glad he talked at length about the Kuzma, like, he may be a superstar even though he's not an all-star because mm-hmm. I think he views himself in his time as a superstar, and he was a damn good player. Oh, yeah, he But he, he only was. made one all-star team. I know, so which, I think only one was... all-star game, one um, NBA uh, championship, Well, the thing about crazy. the NBA, too, and Major League Baseball is like this. Ever since the voting went online, you get so much, and this is good. They've grown the game globally, but you get so much online voting versus, like, you used to have to go to the arena or the ballpark and punch out your little your little, like, SAT right. little punch card, right, to get your vote in. Uh, then they started voting in guys like Grant Hill would get in every year when he was hurt. It was like guys are missing out on an opportunity to play. That in was the like a popularity game. contest. Yeah, exactly. Though. And that's kind of what he's talking about is that you can be a superstar and not necessarily be an all-star. And I think that's kind of what he was saying with Kuzma. But I'm with you. The the Was it an 80-game suspension he got or a 68? Yeah, 78. Something like that. Yeah, he missed like the entire crazy. season. I was more, was more about the money. $5 million. Out of your that, pocket. That's a lot. Well, then he put out a rap album, I think. Try to recoup a little bit. <laughs> but I dropped a mixtape, I think, after that. But you <laughs> can did. tell that in pulling back and reviewing his career, like where his mind is and what he thinks is important for people to know about him and about themselves has, uh, has not wavered. I mean, I, I think it's it's important stuff. We saw Kevin Love came out. Yeah, that's right. You know, I remember? forgot to mention that. That was two years ago. Was it two seasons yeah. ago? Okay, where he said that, yeah. you know, I've been dealing with depression and, and mental illness. And I like when um, athletes actually use their platform for something good because it is a lot of people deal with mental illness from all different, from depression, stress to something that's, you know, a little more serious. Like Nobody's bi- telling bipolar them to stick to sports. Or, yeah, no, this is, this is stuff no. that's important. Even and, LeBron off the court. I mean, say what you want about his antics on the floor and 
not like him as a ball player and even the stupid Taco Tuesday stuff. Yeah. But the guy's out there opening schools. You know what I mean? If you're doing stuff. Oh, I'm always good about him off oh, the court. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought he was great, but you know me on the court. I will go yeah, in. You, you got to go in on guys you don't like playing <laughs> basketball. But as far as uh, as far as off the court stuff, and he's, he's right about Steve Ballmer, too. It's not just about making my buck. It's about getting out and changing the way L.A. views the Clippers. That's why I think he's like, yeah, it's a Laker town, but there's a whole generation of kids that are going to remember the Chris Paul Clippers as the, the Clippers weren't cellar dwellers for their whole uh, No, whole you're lives. right. And I agree with that. And I think Balmer, I mean, he's a great owner. Yeah. You know, I do think, though, like, you know, I have to disagree on certain things when it comes to L.A. Like, I really think he, if he was to move to Seattle, where he's from anyways, and build that market and have it be the Clippers be there, I think it'd be so much I don't know. It'd be a bigger force to reckon with. You know, with L.A., I just I don't care the championships, the history. I don't care what he does. He's a great owner, and he will spend money. But I don't. I still yeah, always like the, will see them being second to the Lakers. The Mets are never catching the Yankees. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's it's just the way it is. It's Laker basketball. It, as far as being, don't that you think town, if they move to be completely different? Uh, well, if they move, then it's for sure Laker. T- you're talking if the Clippers move. If the Clippers were to move, right? But I think as far as a market goes, like it, starting a new expansion team or a team moving to Seattle, that'll be a huge deal anyway because the fans up there. Are we so talked to Lenny Wilkins about that. But as far as a media market, I mean, there's a reason that the Anaheim Angels never moved but wanted to change their name to Los Angeles because the name of that market yeah. in and of but, itself but is. But big. do you think people really care about the Angels? They still don't. Like I don't know, even when they no, were they good. still don't. But free agents do. Yeah, free agents care and when you talk tr- in that market. They're and, still showing and up. Trouty's there and hey, doesn't do anything. But I mean, yeah, P- Pujols came down and well, Trouty's doing plenty. The, well, uh, the plenty of- on the field. I mean, <laughs> off the field, like he doesn't capital. He could care less That's about LA. He's, he's going back to Philly. He's going to watch his Eagles games on <laughs> weekends. Right. Yeah, but good, good stuff from Ron. Yeah, you that know, was really good. I, it's funny. I always call him Ron. Ron, but it's Meta. He likes to be addressed well, before we as get Meta. Out, we haven't talked a ton of basketball lately because it's yeah. been so football centric here. In yeah, the and that's why I wanted to have him come on just Perfect to kind of talk yeah. about you know, obviously. Who is going to be the big contender in the West? I mean, the West is stacked. You got to pick though if you're going like because Lakers, Clippers are the obvious two at the top. I think Denver is going to give some people a I, run and for I really their money. Think Utah, Utah's a dangerous team. Utah's going to be a dangerous mm-hmm. team. Get I'm Mike not Conley. saying I'm not going to say if he stays healthy, that's going to be a, you know that team could be a big, the big um, number one team in the West. You never know. But I mean, if you want to just maybe on paper, I really think the Clippers are pretty loaded. I mean, from the bench to. Having Kawhi, PG, Doc Rivers knows how to coach. They pretty much have everything. Yeah, you look um, at that Lakers bench, and it's it's thin right it now. It is very thin. They, they need have, Andre Iguodala. They have no, they they have no depth. They need all. Iguodala bad. And then our Warriors here, I, I mean, I disagree. Like, some people say they're not going to make the playoffs. I still think they're going to get in a seventh and eighth seed. And they could surprise people by getting past the first round. And then maybe Clay comes back. You never know. I'm so. with you. I, I think I'm down there. I think I'm in the seven eight range yeah, for the that's Warriors. Where I'm at. If they get in, that's the seven and eight range. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, you never know. But uh, I still I think I am going to go with. Clippers over the Lakers. The Clippers over the Lakers. So it's a Clipper town, Bonnie because Jill you know says. why? Because we know that LeBron is not invincible. He yeah. can be hurt, and we know that AD doesn't play, play a complete season, and that's a that's a big factor. He is not right. It's all about the health for the Lakers, yeah. and the, because their depth is not there, that's why Iguodala would right. be a huge addition if they can uh, they can make that happen. But it's fun. It's exciting. So yeah. we'll be back with more. Um, we're going to be joined soon with Shaquille O'Neal, a friend of mine, who um, I think would have give us some good insight and some laughs. So we'll have that, but. Joe Montana next week. Hell yeah. Finally. Five times, four times Super Bowl champion. Yeah. So good stuff on the weekly pass. I'm Bonnie Jill Afflin. I'm Adam Copeland. Until next week. See ya.